Metu Netter, Volume 5, Keys to Health and Longevity, continuing with Chapter 7 on the bottom of page 107, Secure and the Desire for Purpose and Power. Not knowing where our lives are going, not knowing if we are on the right path, not knowing if we will be able to successfully reach our goal, etc. Is life a series of random and chance events? These are questions that are major sources of anxiety, worry, and fear, loss of happiness. Thanks to such supposedly great thinkers like Descartes, Newton, and Darwin, these are questions that eat out the entrails of the majority of the people in the world. The life of every man and woman is planned. All events and lives of people are steps in man's evolutionary path. Unlike all creatures that come into the world finished products, man comes into the world incomplete. There's a diagram showing the three of life, the tree of life grouping the bottom half of the tree labeled extent of the evolutionary growth of most people in the world human stage and then the top from there and then the top of the tree of life amen there's a label that says the complete man and our god man In the same manner that we grow from infancy to adulthood, we are on the growth path from human to divine men. Incidentally, the factors that shape our growth as humans are responsible for our growth into divinity. The path that we progress in our evolution is what is referred to as destiny, a most misunderstood reality. The destiny, evolutionary destination of all men is to become divine men and women, Ausar. The challenges that enable us to develop ourselves have been mistaken for our destinies. People who live a life of poverty are destined to be impoverished. They are destined to develop peace and joy in their divinity through the challenge of poverty. The rich is destined to attain the same through the challenges created by the temptations and responsibilities of wealth and so on. The divine desire for knowing that our life has a purpose and what it is, if we will succeed in living it well, is first processed by the reptilian and mammalian brains, dominated cerebral cortex, which interprets everything in relationship to pain and pleasure coming from the physical world and to be met with physical actions. We fail thus to see the underlying path that gives us meaning and coherence to the varieties of experiences that make up our lives. As a result, many people live their lives like leaves drifting in ocean. The lack of purpose and meaning and understanding give rise to anxiety, worries, fear, and all forms of stress. For well-being and success, life must be lived with purpose and the understanding of how each event fits into the whole that we call our lives. When every experience in life is met with the peaceful and joyful understanding that they are necessary steps that lead to the realization of divinity, the spiritual power that is needed to achieve success in all undertakings and well-being will come into manifestation. 
ma'at, the desire for law and order. Oneness and happiness, the two components of the quintessential of man's divinity, is threatened by disorder and unlawfulness. The desire for order emanates from the ma'at faculty of the spirit and can only be satisfied by placing into the mind the premise that all things are interdependent with each other and the whole to which they belong. Order, therefore, is embedded in our nature and must be made to manifest in our lives through inner cultivation. But the desire for order is first processed by the animal brain dominated cortex in which man interprets everything in relationship to pain and pleasure coming from the physical world and must be satisfied through physical action. As a result, order is primarily and predominantly sought to be established through rules, commandments, fear, policing, punitive actions, and physical violence. Totally ignored are the causes of disorder in our lives of the individual which spills over into society. The cause, of course, is the dominance of the animal nature in people. Emotions are the cause of the inner disorder that manifests as illness and mental dysfunctions. The knowledge that must be implanted in man's mind to serve as the premise for reasoning correctly about the order is the fact that all things in the universe are interdependent and interrelated. The ability to grasp this truth requires the ability to process abstract ideas, which lies beyond the capacity of the animal brains. The most important set of interdependent concerns man and God. According to comedic spiritual teachings, God created man to serve as the vehicle through which to come and live in the world. Before creation, God is eternal and infinite consciousness and will dwelling in an infinite and eternal continuum of energy and matter, divine spirit. There is no other consciousness and no things that can enable experience. Living can only take place within a portion of the divine spirit that is subjected to differentiation, creation. God does not just create the world and look at it from the outside or go about its business unconcerned. God creates the world to have experience of life and goes and does so through man as its vehicle in the world. See Metuneter Volume 3 for the details of the comedic spiritual literature. Book of Knowing the Transformations of Ra and of Overthrowing Apep. God, therefore, needs man to complete his or her development, become divine. Once a person has completed his or her development, God takes up dwelling in the spirit of the person. This is the substance behind the concept of achieving oneness with God. It is not a metaphor. But the sharing of your spirit with God that takes place once the 11 laws are stored in the mind and are lived with 100% consistency. The men and women that completed their evolution and became thus divine living temples of God were allowed to append the title of Ausar to their name. The Ausar, Ani, etc., The realization of your divinity allows God to fulfill the reason for creation, which is to delight in its creation. Before creation, all is peace. Creation sets the condition for the experience of joy. 
God benefits thus from sharing in your being and your benefit from sharing in God's attributes that now come to dwell in you. These are omniescence, omnipotence, and omnipresence. From a practical perspective, you will experience this as success and well-being in all of your endeavors. Harukahuti, the desire for protection from injustice. Oneness and happiness, the two components of the quintessential of man's divinity, is threatened by the injustice that many men appear to get away with. The solution cannot be a simple hold on to that thought. The solution cannot be a simple hold on to that thought that you are essentially peaceful and one with all and live with injustice. You must place into your mind the knowledge that the involatileness of the laws of peace and joy and oneness force a return to normal, the imbalances created by injustice. This operates according to the law of cause and effect. Injustice upsets the equilibrium that is natural to the world spirit, which in turn automatically reacts to reestablish the equilibrium by having the wrong doer rectify the wrong. There are two factors that must be kept in mind in order to understand this. If you hold on to your essential and natural peace and joy, then unjust acts cannot cause you suffering or stress. This half of the injustice, the other half must be understood through the understanding of man's destiny. It is to become a divine being, which is a process that takes several incarnations. We come to earth many times and the good and the bad that we commit follow us across incarnations. Sooner or later, we will reap what we have sown. Incidentally, this is the explanation for some of the ills that befall you that seem to have no cause in wrongdoings on your part. Some of these are your repayment of, wrong, of wrongs done in the past life. Karma works both ways. Both ways be at peace and do not eat your heart out with guilt. Injust is Injustice is a major threat to happiness and oneness, which are the core of our divinity. The desire for justice is first processed by the reptilian and mammalian brain's dominated cerebral cortex, which interprets everything in relationship to pain and pleasure coming from the physical world to be met with physical actions. Justice is seen as an act of inflicting revenge. Make those who supposedly caused you pain and deprived you of pleasure to suffer pain and deprivation of pleasure. There is not the slightest inkling of truth that the law of cause and effects provides for the impersonal implementation of justice's long arm that stretches across incarnations. The impersonality of the law enables justice to be applied without you having to jeopardize your peace joy and oneness with all if you have ever felt the need for revenge you know that the thought is accompanied by a rotten feeling it is a feeling that is letting you know right then and there that the thought is making you sick irony of ironies if you spend 10 years making your person sick as you wait for the assassination of your kin to be executed 
need I say more? And what about the people who swear that nothing can bring closure to the pain suffered by major unjust acts against their kin, even when the perpetrator was caught and brought to justice? Heru, the desire for freedom. What would happen if you ignore the impulse to act with anger or fear? Would you go into convulsions, fall on the floor and foam at the mouth? Or could you and haven't you chosen to focus on thoughts that enabled you to react in a peaceful manner in the situation? The power of the will is not a force, but the understanding that it is the active aspect of yourself, which is the initiator and controller of all that takes place in your life. The statement free will is redundant. The will yourself is free by nature. There is no energy and matter in it to restrict or condition it. It is the aspect of your being that is the foundation of your ability to liberate yourself from the animal brain and the animal spirit. The power of the self and will is fiat. Fiat, that is the power through its position as initiator of events and not as the force that carries out the event. The latter is the domain of the life force. There's a small diagram that has a line moving from up to down with points on it labeled self, mind, life force, psychic force, physiological functions and events in your life. And then it says, to understand the power of the will likened to it, a commander in chief, He gives the orders which must be carried out by soldiers. The failure to use the will successfully leads to stress in the form of low self-esteem, anxiety, frustration, fear, worrying, etc. The will and freedom to choose. Yes, as the will are the initiator of the wants in your life. In the early part of your life, your wants are processed by the reptilian and mammalian brain's dominated cerebral cortex, which interprets everything in relationship to pain and pleasure coming from the physical world to be met with physical actions. As a result, you do not will your desire. You do not choose. You are driven by emotions and sensations. But worse is the abdication of the freedom of the will to the limitations imposed by the physical body and the physical world. Until the will is correctly lived, one lives a matter over mind and a body over mind existence. As a result, solutions must come from physical actions. Appetite must be controlled with drugs. So is tobacco craving, alcohol craving, salvation from temptation must come from a superhuman being and so on. It is a tragic comedy. What is free by nature seeks to be free. The problem, however, will not be resolved by the simple act of willing. The matter will be detailed in the following chapter. It is enough for now to consider the fact that man's happiness is protected by the natural freedom to choose to ignore the animal responses to challenges and to act according to the laws that are the embodiment of divinity. Het Heru, the desire to create. 
Creativity is the engine of survival, adaptation, and evolutionary change. Life imposes many problems that can only be solved by coming up with new answers, hence the natural drive to be creative. The ability to create is governed by the imagination. Unfortunately, this faculty is first used by the cortex in service of the mammalian animal brain. The greatest use of that mankind that has made of it is the creation of art and entertainment for the gratification of pleasure and in a twisted way for inflicting pain and inducing illness in one's person. This is due to the well-known power of the imagination to arouse emotional responses. Something goes wrong, you imagine the worst, and you are ravaged by fear and worry. As creators, we employ the imagination to create art, to give pleasure to our persons and to others, and as enjoyers of the creation of others. We employ the imagination to generate pleasure in our being. The imagination is our faculty for inventing solutions to problems and instead of working at learning how to use this faculty to solve our problems, we use it to perpetually indulge in the pleasure of watching fictional characters solve theirs. Why do people do this? The answer is simple. The cortex is kept in slumber through the chronic stress so they fail to see that the tedium and stress they are seeking to escape from does not have their origins in externals but in their brain. The stress comes from the unreformed animal brain and the tedium comes from the comatose cortex. The first most important use of the imagination is for the purpose of recreating our self-image. The behavioral traits we use to describe the way we think come together to create an image of self. This image in turn generates the host of emotionally charged ideas that determines our actions and state of health. It is important to know that our self-image, which as an image is in full view of full view is the source of the thoughts that Freud and other psychologists have credited to the subconscious mind. Incidentally, the mind is unconscious and functions on the subconscious level, but the chief source of thoughts and emotions that determine our lives are in full view as our self-image. Do you habitually see your person responding angrily or with some emotion other than peace and joy to something or someone? If you do, you are looking at a human image of yourself. If you always see your person responding in a peaceful and joyful manner to challenges because you are convinced of the law, then you are looking at a divine being. The second most important role of the imagination is its function of carrier of the will. The practical term, what is meant is that your will must be expressed through visualization. As opposed to the customary verbalization, instead of willing things to happen in your life through verbal thoughts, saying to your person, for example, I will improve my finances this year, visualize your person enjoying events in your life that show your improved financial situation. Images and not words are the true carriers of the will. For words to move the life force, they must, they have to trans, they have to, 
translate by the mind into an image. We must keep in mind that the imagination is not limited to pictures. You can imagine a smell, a color, a sensation, etc. Similar to the diagram on the previous page, there's an arrow going downward with four points on it. First one is self, will, mind, visualization. The third one is life force, psychic force. And the fourth one is physical function in the events in your life. The failure to use the will successfully leads to stress in the form of low self-esteem, anxiety, frustration, fear, worrying, etc. And here ends the reading of another part of chapter 7.